Let's spread a song so you can sing along with my special guest star two. You like to sing and dance, and this podcast by chance explores musicals for you. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Life's But a Song, a podcast that likes to live in the land of musicals. I'm your host, John. With me today is a special guest on his own. He is one half of Glee Aggressive. It's Ian Brodsky, everyone. Hello. Thank you so much for having me back. I made sure to have the clap in there because it is. Yes. Mm-hmm. You, that you is guys. The, yeah, the. <laughs> you guys do it on the podcast, so. We do, and the emoji is absolutely in our title. Um, when you search us on every podcast platform, the emoji of the clapping hands does appear. So, <laughs> yeah. So, thank it. you for uh, thank you for uh, honoring the original text. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, but we're here not to talk about Glee today, really. Maybe who knows? Uh, but we're here today to talk <laughs> well, about, yeah. A Mighty Wind, which came out in 2003. Screenplay by Christopher Guest and Eugene Levy. Yes? Yes. Mm -hmm. Music and lyrics by some sort of combination of the following people, mostly. Uh, Christopher Guest, Michael McKeon, Harry Shearer, and Eugene Levy. Directed by Christopher Guest. And according to IMDb, Mockumentary captures the reunion of 1960s folk trio The Folksmen as they prepare for a show at Town Hall to memorialize a recently deceased concert promoter. No, <laughs> but good guess. Good try, close. intern. Uh, yes, close. <laughs> There's also two other two other acts and a whole slew of other people, but close. So. I told Ian before we were recording that I had a little story to tell. So um, much like the Annie episode, my computer decided to delete this file from my computer. So I I had all these notes. I had all these questions. So much like the Christopher Guest of it all, I am going to improv this whole thing. Wonderful. That, That is what Christopher Guest would want. I think... Christopher Guest reached into my computer and destroyed this Word document that is the outline. Because, like, it's gone. It's gone, gone. I don't know what happened. I am so sorry for your loss. Wow. Ah, thank you. Thank you for understanding me. Um, But I know for a fact, I remember, that the songs listed are not in the correct order as they appear. Those are, I believe, from the soundtrack. Right. Um, but yeah. So why did you pick this movie first and foremost? Um, I picked this movie for a couple reasons. One, because I wanted to come back on your show and I wanted to, uh, pick a movie that I somewhat knew and liked already. Um, and I haven't watched this movie in a long time. Um, and I was like scrolling through your Instagram page and saying like, okay, what have you done? What haven't you? And, um, I thought this would be a fun, uh, I thought this would be a fun one because, Everyone knows Waiting for Guffman. That is truly like theater yes. kid required reading 101. But Christopher Guest's oeuvre is so vast and the casting is so legendary. Like as it was, but yep. this cast is stacked with legends of today. Like you and I totally forgot about that too to the extent until I was watching this. Like it's not just uh Christopher Guest and Eugene Levy, but you have Eugene Levy and uh, Catherine O'Hara together as a couple. Mm-hmm. Pre Shits Creek World, you have Parker Posey. Um, you Jennifer have Coolidge. Jennifer Coolidge, like a younger Jennifer Coolidge, Bob Balaban, um, Ed Begley Jr., June, like yep. Fred the Willard. List. The ki- the list just keeps on going, and Jane Lynch in a pre Glee world. I was going to ask you, I remember writing this question down. Did you feel a little triggered seeing Jane Lynch and Michael Hitchcock on screen? Um, n- not this time. I was I was more so excited. Like, oh, I remember that. Oh, I remember them. Oh. I was like, it was truly channeling. Like, I don't know how old I was when this came out because math 
is hard, but it was truly channeling the younger version of me. Well, so for those of you, the uh, I was making a, a Glee reference because Michael Hitchcock, who played in season one, I forget his name, but he is the head of the deaf choir. Yes. So, yeah. And then Jane Lynch, obviously. Do you think, though, that like Jane Lynch got, I know like they wrote Sue Sylvester with Jane Lynch in mind, but like, do you think it was this that like helped solidify that? I mean, it it very well could have been. I would not be surprised if Ryan Murphy like was a fan of Christopher Guest. Because, um, I mean, she sings in this. Yeah. And it's great. And she's potentially and like, a beard in this. <laughs> right. She's potentially a beard. Definitely a former adult film actress. Like, <laughs> maybe, maybe, what a, maybe a lesbian herself. Who knows? Perhaps. Like, and what a wild. So, and if you don't know the Christopher Guest, I was going to say discography, but the sort of uh, filmography of Christopher Guest, so much of the movie is improvised like the script is improvised but within the framework that christopher guest and in this case uh, eugene levy like map out so i'm imagining the circumstance in which jane lynch just sat there making up her backstory and was like yeah um, i started out doing some uh supporting roles in adult filmography and uh graduated to main characters like that who it who did this the religion the whole religion, the religion thing She's, yeah, she's, like, uh, the head of a coven, and, like, they cut to them in, like, friggin' Fantasia hats and stuff. That was brilliant. So this movie follows folk music, um, a genre that's not really talked about, which I think that's why they did it. Yeah. Right? How would you define folk music, though, Mr. Musician Man? Well, thank you so much. Oh, and also another reason why I chose this uh, movie was because Bob Balaban is like a distant cousin. So this is me. This is me like being as much of a Nepo baby as I can. <laughs> Show off. I know. The last um, time you I, were on, is... you were in the movie. This time you're like, mm, it's a distant cousin. Mm. <laughs> I saw him. I saw him once at a family reunion. It, it wasn't it's a funeral. Truly, uh. it's, no, the last time I saw him was a funeral. Oh, fuck. <laughs> So yeah, this is um it's you know the the big two like you mentioned. Um but <laughs> the next one you come on, it... you better be a leading character in it for fuck's sake. <laughs> Bet deal. Let's manifest that shit. Um and I'm so sorry because that is gonna edit poorly, but what did you just ask me? I don't folk rem- music. Folk music, okay. yes. How would you define um, it? So folk music kind of has like a broad definition because it is ultimately music of poor and working class folks who have come together and have used music as a tool to keep themselves going as a way of building community. So specifically like in American folk music, it's very much um, a coming together of your poor, like migrants, your um, like under, I was going to say underprivileged, but that isn't the word. Um, But like, poor working class folks of all um races backgrounds uh immigration statuses is working statuses is and stuff um and so i i think about so much of the folk music or like so much of rock music that you hear today even like some gospel kinds of stuff all stems from this amalgamation of different people coming together because they were all working class or poor um maybe migrating around the country just trying to find an honest work and these are songs that get passed through tribes and through communities and get passed down through generations and um that's kind of what leads to folks like your Joni Mitchell's is and your Bob Dylan's is is and um then even like all the way down to today with someone like tallest man on earth, who's not American, he's Swedish, but whatever. Um, and like starting with your Woody. Yeah. yeah. The vibe is there. Like you start with like your even going all the way back to something like a slave spiritual, um, a song that is something to keep people knowing that they're there knowing that they're still going and inspired. 
and that being passed on and um, evolving through time. Per your last episode, where you were in the movie Begin Again, you play the violin, but Mm -hmm. did you grow up, you didn't grow up playing folk music, you played different genres, right? Um, I Yeah, I grew up playing classical music, um, but my parents raised me on sort of on this 70s folk rock, Joni Mitchell, Simon and Garfunkel, uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, that kind of sort of second wave of the rock meeting the folk period in a way. Because it feels like folk is nowadays all encompassing because like- It can be, yeah. Listening to the music here, there was a lot of like country-esque things happening for, in my ear. Absolutely. Um, they were, they like, I can't really describe describe it besides being semi-country. Right, absolutely. And country definitely has roots in folk music. And that's like, the country we know today is definitely um, the evolution of folk music being influenced by further uh spiritual practices or um i lost my train of thought but there um i know i always think about like conversations i have with people about country music because country music in itself is so vast but the origins of that are from your woody guthrie's your bob dylan's but what is interesting to me about the type of folk music used in this movie is that when it comes to uh, Catherine O'Hara and Eugene Levy's characters, they sound more like the Mamas and the Papas. Yes, thank you. That was one I was trying to remember. Yeah, because it's like, it's because, it, like, I don't consider that folk, but like, it could be considered folk right. music. I, I, and it's funny because I would consider that, like, that's a folk, a folksy kind of genre to me. Oh, okay. Yeah. And that's why, and like, to your point, that's why it's so encompassing because it's kind of, it, it has evolved over time and really spread throughout other musical genres. Yeah. Uh, and it, I think that's just what happened, I guess, when people started learning. Yeah. Because it's like, it's like an oral tradition where there is no real. Exactly. Street music, I guess, of this, which by the way, question for you as a musician. So. Uh-huh. There's a couple of scenes where they're trying to like dust off the cobwebs in their brains and remember the songs. They don't have sheet music. <laughs> Is that a thing in right. the industry? Like no it sheet can music? Be, yeah. So kind of circling back to an earlier question of yours. Um, even though I grew up playing classical, I have worked with uh, fellow musicians and actors who grew up playing folk. So they learned very much by ear and very much by like, a sort of aural theory so it's like i know folks who can jump in and just sort of play by ear and not really care about like stumbling or messing up as they go because that's just part of the tradition of folk is just knowing how to jump in and kind of knowing that etiquette um so like figuring out those harmonies on the spot would very easily happen for them. And then to sort of, like you said, dust those cobwebs off down the road could easily like, that's, that's like that. That's the skill. Cause I'm, it's more so like Mitch and Mickey. Yeah. Uh, they have that whole scene where they're, where they're like, what is the, what did I say? And what's interesting though. Um, Cause like I said, the music and lyrics were written by a combination of those men, but like, John Michael Higgins wrote the Main Street Rag, uh, arranged the Main Street Rag. Um, Catherine O'Hara co-wrote with Eugene Levy one more time. Uh, Annette O'Toole wrote A Kiss at the End of the Ra-. Like, they had mm-hmm. other people involved. And for whatever reason, I have Start Me Up on here, and I don't remember that in the movie. I don't remember that in the movie either, but I listened to that, and then, and then I was like, I have to listen to the original version and that really tickled me. I I live for folksy covers of other genres. Like Who sings art. it in the on the soundtrack? On the soundtrack it's the um uh the three dudes. Um the Folksman. Folksman, thank you. Um yeah. yeah. And it's a great cover. It's Which, hilarious. So okay, I've I've done this is Spinal Tap, which had a lot of these people 
in it. Um, Harry mm-hmm. Shear and uh, Christopher Guest were in that movie. Um, and Michael McKeon. And it's interesting that the three of them are the ones in the group. Yeah. And we know that like they play their instruments. But like I've read on IMDb that a couple people had to learn how to play. But mm-hmm. I don't know. The instrument that uh, Catherine O'Hara plays, I don't know the name of it. Do you? Uh, the auto harp. The auto harp. That seems like something you can't just learn for a movie. <laughs> That's what I was thinking, too. Like, I have no idea if she actually plays, but one, she's convincing, and two, like, that's that's a very particular instrument, at least from yes. my experience. So I, Catherine O'Hara, please write in. Let us know uh, what I'll your see. deal is with that. I, I don't know if Catherine O'Hara, this is your first episode that you're listening to, but I'll tell you the socials later. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Stick around, Cat. Because, like, you know, guitar could be faked, drums yeah. can be kind of faked, piano definitely can be faked, but I feel like that's such a specific way to even hold it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I read that Parker Posey had to learn... Um, she learned mandolin for this. Yeah, I read yes. that, too. Which, it doesn't seem the hardest, but I feel like it's still difficult because string instruments are weird in my brain. Right. And mandolin is different than other... Mandolin is a lot different than guitar. It actually has the same strings as a violin. But instead of, like, up here, it's, like, across your body. And even me having, like, trying to learn mandolin is such an adjustment because everything is just pivoted and different. And I don't know, like, props to her for learning mandolin for this movie. Yeah, and some... uh, There was somebody else who had to learn something i can't remember who it was oh eugene levy learned how to play guitar oh yeah yeah but like people do that all the time for movies right and i don't want to say guitar is so easy to learn but there are like there are a handful of things that you can learn in the basics of guitar that can take you really far especially when it comes to folk um for example, I um, learned four chords on a guitar for an audition and like, ha- and then that was how I learned guitar and got it and booked a job. Oh. So, And then from there, I learned some more basic stuff. And those simple tricks can, they can sound a lot more uh, sonically complex than they actually are to play. Yeah, uh, sure. Words. <laughs> Sonically <laughs> <Sorry>. complex. Great. <laughs> I didn't know that I would be like, I knew that I would enjoy talking about this movie, but I didn't realize that I would be geeking out this much about like music once again. Geek out. This is your time. Yeah. Um, I'm not what I mean, I do. I do like the mamas and the papas, but I wouldn't say I'm a like a folk person. Like I don't seek out folk music, but like sure. I thoroughly enjoyed all of these songs. My one critique, though, is that didn't hear enough of them. There was they only played snippets in the movie. Yes. And to that. So I watched the whole movie and then I was going through the list of songs you sent me and I was like, I don't know what most of them are (laughs) before that reason. So, I mean, something like. um, uh, What was it? Uh, Like the good book song is at the end in the credits or something. It's actually earlier. It's oh, earlier it? in the movie. I remember that. Oh. So I watched I watched this on Prime. And on Prime, every once in a while, you have the little x-ray thing where you can like move your mouse yeah. around and it'll show you like the IMDb trivia and all that. So the Good Book song, I believe, is around the time we get to the new Main Street Singers. Because they play. Okay. They pl- I okay. know they play it at some point in the movie. I just don't remember when. There was like a couple of songs I know that on this list that I gave you that are not in the movie at all. Like yes. Start Me Up, which when I saw that on the on the album, I was like, oh, that's so cool. We're going to listen to like a folk version of it. It's going to be interesting. Right. Or it's just going to be, you know, um, it, Mick Jagger just wailing. <laughs> right. Um, and again, it was on Glee. Hey, yo. Oh, wh- wait, when, when was it on Glee? Season two. It was a I mashup. I believe you. Okay, it's, I believe uh, you. It's Start Me Up Living on a Prayer when they were yes. doing another Boys Against Girls. I remember now. I didn't appreciate look- that. Thank you. 
Oh my god, I didn't even look that up, and I hate myself for remembering all of it. No, I no. Thank you for your service, truly. <laughs> um, I was reading the IMDb. Speaking of IMDb trivia, actually, I was yeah. reading that. Um, this, I guess, was in the works for like over a decade because wow. well sorry over two decades because uh uh the folksman was a sketch on snl when christopher guest and harry Shearer were cast members and michael mckeon was the host that's right yeah i did see that and then they and then when they were doing a spinal tap tour they uh opened <laughs> it, it's so funny reading this that they, uh, Michael McKee and Harry Shearer and Christopher Guest opened as themselves in the Folksman and they were right. <laughs> like, what? Well, um, according, still according to this trivia, uh, yes. uh, nobody knew that it was them. Uh, okay. That's bananas. I mean, Harry Shearer has a look. Right. <laughs> right. Christopher Guest kind of took me by surprise, but like Harry Shearer, you know, that's him. You know he has that deep voice and everything. Yeah, yeah. And then um, another clip I saw just like in making sure I was not crazy and like the little amount that we got these songs was that the three of them as the folksmen did one of the songs, uh, "Blood, uh, Blood on the Coal," uh, as a musical guest on Mad TV once. Are you serious? That's yeah, amazing, right? <laughs> um, okay, I'm gonna rip this bandaid off right now. Harry Shearer, his character at the end, comes out as trans. Right. I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about this. I don't know either. They do it in a way that he talks about it in a way that is respectful. Right. Because he fight he's talks about how he's finding himself, and you're like, okay, we're going on this journey with you. Great. But like the deep voice is part of the joke. And, like, also seeing the reaction of Michael McKeon and Christopher Guest's characters, I'm like, how, what? Right. <laughs> Especially watching it now after 20 years. 20 years later, yeah. I was definitely, you, you do definitely ask, what is the joke here? Um, yeah. And that's a little difficult and uncomfy given how far we've gone. Yeah, I was just like, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel. But right. I need I need to talk about this because like, I, I I know you, and thank you for confirming that you also felt this way because I was just like, God, I hope he understands what I feel. Yeah, because, yeah, the, yeah, because like you were saying, I agree with everything you said in that um, the way he talked about finding himself felt like up to board. Yeah. Whatever. Um, but still, then, like, what is the joke? Because this is clearly meant to be humorous in some way, shape, or form. But let, but uh, let's talk. Let let's talk, Harry. Harry, what, what, who came up with this? Was this part right. of your? Because, like, I would understand if they were planting the seeds throughout. Like they, like we t- right. talked about with with Jane Lynch and the and the cult religion thing that she's part of. You know, we get we we get it in a in an interview. We see it. We see them pray. We see you know it's throughout. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, I find I'm not gonna lie to go on a side tangent. I find Crazy. Christopher Guest films fascinating to talk about because you're like, it's like a chicken and egg. You know, you're like, what, what exactly came first? Right. Yeah. The, uh, like, who came up with the idea of the religion? Was that Jane Lynch? Was that Christopher Guest slash Eugene Levy? Who, who was it? Who was it? Like, that's the shit I want to know. Like, if I, next time I sit down with Bob, um, I'll ask him. I'm not going to. As you should. You should. I'm not going to lie. I hated his character. I can see why, and unfortunately, his character is like one of the lesser interesting characters. And I think if the character were supposed to be like a straight man, then it might have resonated yeah. just in a different way. But the character clearly had like his own neuroses and had his own shtick going, and 
which could have been part of the editing sure or it could just be improv going bad no offense to bob but like kind of offense to bob (laughs) sorry cousin bob bobby bobby as in bobby (laughs) (laughs) the only reason i disagree with you is because for some reason the character kind of reminded me of my dad in a way and i can't pinpoint why not even the side not even the same side of the family oh great yeah well because like when he went i i found him annoying more so when we got to the event right when he was like calling the set pieces furniture and yeah and then talking about the flowers and then everything i was just like i was like what are you (sighs) doing I could see why. I this get is that. this is where I talked where I'm where I meant I said like it's improv gone bad where it's like clearly they needed some footage and mm-hmm. they're like just go just do Perhaps and you're they like had some time to fill yeah yeah because like I I know for what was it um oh crap what's the one with Corky the other Christopher Guest film um brain not working. Yes, waiting for Guffman. They had like so many hours of mm-hmm. film that they condensed down to an hour and a half somehow. And I feel mm-hmm. like that's always the case with him where they're like mm-hmm. they just set the camera up and they're like talk. We're starting here, you got to end here at some point. Just sure. go. I would love to just see all the footage. <laughs> right? Like what what are days on set like for all of them exactly because like ed bagley jr it felt like some of his stuff was actually written some of mm-hmm. not all i'm not saying all of it but like there right. were some moments where i was like you're definitely not improving here but like sure. i guess when he started speaking yiddish maybe that was not improv <laughs> right that's i definitely want to know about that because that was fascinating to me yeah, the whole the whole clearly Swedish dude <laughs> co-opting Yiddish phrases for this clearly Jewish family. Why? Where did that Why? come from? Like who? Whose brain? Who's yes? So we've kind of talked about the folksman. We kind of talked about Mickey and Mitch. Let's talk about the new street, uh, the new Main Street singers. Where this is. I guess what you were talking about earlier about folk music in general, mm-hmm. where it's like, it's a family. It started as one family and now it's a different family. Right. Yeah. And like, I know somewhere in the backstory, there's, um, there was an initial group and then that disbanded. And then two other groups came together to create what they call a nuftet, um, which is a hilarious <laughs> word. And yeah. And that's the band that includes Parker Posey, um, Jane Lynch. Jane Lynch. Uh, Fred Willard is their manager, who's pretty off the walls here. Oh my god! Um, and uh, remind me the name of um, the main gentleman who is like Jane Lynch's husband. Um, crap! Yeah. Hold on. Yeah. All I can the... think of it's the <laughs> it's the guy who plays the male judge in Pitch Perfect. <laughs> um, John Michael Higgins. Yeah. Okay. And their Thank last name you. is Boner. Yeah, B O H N E R. Yeah, Boner. Um, but Boner Parker Posey plays like the daughter from the original band, I believe, mm-hmm. or some like people from the original. Yeah, band. that sounds right. Yeah, she's definitely connected. And then there's somebody in there that they're hazing, which is so funny. Yeah. Oh, like the yeah the one dude yeah with the glasses. He, he uh, and they don't allow him to take off his sweater while they're practicing. Yeah, <laughs> that was. I mean, that was a fun scene to like be part. That to was watch. such. A, yeah, and then that he got to be part of the concert piece of it so much was great. Um, that is. Hold on, I'm trying to find. There's so many fucking people in this movie. Christopher, there's so many fucking people in this movie. Christopher Moynihan. I don't know who this is. <laughs> Like as a as an actor, apparently though he went on to do other Christopher Guest projects after this. Good for him, yeah, he was in Mascots, the Great. the TV show. Oh man, I haven't seen that one yet. Neither have I. Um, right. but okay, 
Okay. I I want to talk about some strong character choices that some people made Let's go. in this movie. Okay. Jennifer Coolidge. Jennifer Coolidge being Jennifer Coolidge times 10. But like with a funny voice. Like with but with the funny voice. I mean, and... she's amazing and it works for me. Yeah. But the one that I the one that I question is uh Eugene Levy. He made a very strong choice with his voice. He did. And I don't understand it. I found that fascinating. And I guess just because I, I think characters that are just always on the verge that are just like consistently tight roping from a mental sanity point are fascinating. Um also just considering that like this is like the dad on Shit's Creek. Like this is the guy, and this character is so different. I just love watching that because he and Catherine O'Hara are such different characters. Um Yeah. Like Catherine O'Hara being the straight woman in all of this, while Eugene Levy is the one that's like almost Insane. off the walls. Yeah. Um what an interesting choice as a character that to then commit to through the whole thing to then have this sort of not like where we think he's breaking towards the end, but really he comes back with the rose. Um, yeah. And he went out because he wanted to make sure that he got the perfect rose for their set, which was really sweet. Like, yeah. I like their story that is presented throughout where yeah. it's like, they were a couple um, in right. the sixties and then they broke up and then like, she got married to somebody else and he went on a downward spiral and then they right. they're being forced back together for this and like their song uh kiss at the end of the rainbow thank you where they kiss at the end and it's just like it it, it was weird stakes <laughs> cuz <laughs> cuz you're like well they're performers so I, I mean if the kiss is going to mean nothing yes it's going to have all of the subtext but like if they mm-hmm. do it it should mean nothing because like it should and i think if they wanted to endow it with more stakes it could have been a discussion point earlier of like oh well are they gonna kiss like we all know we they have this uh they have this uh, uh what's it called fleetwood mac-esque couples history oh my god when they yes. get back together is that going to be a thing and it was spoiler alert it was they did the kiss it was um, beautiful it, it was beautiful it made me so emotional their songs are my favorite in this um, and like i'm a little upset though that when it comes to the performance they only get one song whereas uh, yeah. i mean i get it it's it's time magic in movies and tv shows you know where they're like oh we're this program which would probably be what an hour like Eh, an hour maybe 90 minutes yeah but if it's only the three of them probably an hour an hour well if well and then possibly in the middle of it there's like a retrospective film or something that they show but like obviously they have like 10 minutes of the movie to do this (laughs) right we're also what the fuck main street the new main street singers why are you singing never did no wandering when the folksmen were gonna sing it didn't no one communicate? I, that's what I want to know. I want to know what's the story there. Was that was that intent? Was that intended? Was there uh, some nefarious intent behind that decision? Yeah, because they they never talk. They never talked about, and it may have just been been on the cutting room floor. But like, what we right. see is that every like it's just these three separate groups who know each other, you know, yes. and like and like you kind of see that. Uh, during kiss at the end of the rainbow the performance where right the folksmen are like this is the one where they kiss right let's go watch you know like they yeah. know they know each other they know their bits and everything but like they didn't have a tech rehearsal they didn't there was no right. email <laughs> to be like what are you singing <laughs> right no printed set lists i mean i i get it that putting put slapping a show together in two weeks is is difficult hello i did that kind yeah. of uh, <laughs> <laughs> but not impossible there you go but not i mean i did it in, in like a month and a half but like you know there was some time involved in everything yeah. and you had to be like okay who's doing what tell me sheet music blah 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 um mm-hmm. little triggering 
Thanks. No. Thanks, Egan. You're welcome. What else? What? Uh, oh, God. Um, this is... Okay, yes. two things. One, because we were talking about Catherine O'Hara's husband. One, he's British. Two, he collects model trains. And the model train scene between him and Eugene Levy was one of the funniest things in the movie to me. Because he because he's just showing him the trains and Eugene Levy's like, I bet this would look great in the fall. You know, well, you could uh, paint it, the leaves, what make is it Jennifer, look like fall. <laughs> what does Jennifer Coolidge say? She has a joke about that too, where, you know, the husband talks about model yeah. trains and she's just like, Oh, it's like, oh, she says like, oh, it's good for them to know what the big trains are going to look like or something like that. And I was like, yes, yes, yes. that's that's the Jennifer Coolidge we know and love that. And I and that, God, I hope that was her improving. And the same scene where Bob Albin is like, you know, my dad would just like bring together, bring people together with a hum. And so everyone starts humming and Jennifer Coolidge has like open mouth, teeth bare, just going, hey, <laughs> classic iconic <laughs> yes i don't think these people had to try being funny i think they just right. are it's just they just are the other thing that stuck out to me was we only really get like little snippets of time with parker posey and jane lynch together and i wish we had more time with the two of them maybe oh, it's just yes. because i love them so much as actors and as like performer uh, and all that but there's just little bits that we get of the two of them like even in the song um potatoes in the paddy wagon where they sing together would have loved to have seen more of them or... would have loved to have seen more of them with Catherine o'hara because we maybe get like 10 seconds of them eating food while Catherine o'hara's like anyone see mitch oh yeah yeah, yeah. i mean i mean it's just so weird that like and of course this is 20 years later that we're talking about this but it's so weird that like they're just all the groups are just so separate. Yeah, you're like there has they have to be there. Besides, like the little meet and greet or like the little pre-show uh, cocktail hour that they do. Like, I want I want to see more. I would have loved to see more interaction. Be like, yeah. oh, oh, folksman, what are you guys been up to? Oh yeah, blah blah blah. Da, da, blah I mean, da, you know, similar in the way that sort of tying it all together that you could see a Joni and a Bob Dylan and like um, Crosby, Stills and Nash all at like the same festival. Like I fully buy that all of these folks being under the same record label by this one guy who is the reason that we're all here. I would absolutely buy that they have had a history and friendships and drama and right. Like shitty relationships. And, you know, I mean, the new Main Street singers, though, were they? Is it that they're only there because of the Main Street singers, or was it? I can't remember this Let little detail. You're right. I, I'm. Um. Yeah, I'll, I forget exactly what it is too, because all I have down is that they just joined forces. That it was like two separate bands that came together in the second wave. I th- I think Fred Willard had to talk about at the end the their show, the Justices one, or the yeah. Because, like, there was, if you watch that scene, there's a poster behind him. So they had to figure that out. But, like, man, that was so funny. Yeah. When, when they cut to them at acting. Yeah. It's like, and a then, weird... like the idea that they all just take off their robes and go home and argue over, like, who's going to cook dinner? Who's going <laughs> to take out the trash? Like, <laughs> I want to know, if, like, who improved that? Whose idea was that? If that was Fred's, bravo. And it's like, I need a poster behind me of them as justices. <laughs> Someone had to create that poster in 2003. <laughs> Where it's um, like, we had put, we had technology just very different. And I'm not going to lie. The um, what's the song that the folksmen sing? Is it, it's not old Joe's pub. It's the other one where it's well there's a uh that's the folksman um no. that's old that's old Joe's that place. is old that is old Joe's yeah place. yeah because that that has been stuck in my head since i've uh, since i watched this movie and i remember i remember that it was part of the trailer like in the commercials because yeah. that's how they got you <laughs> yeah i mean because i i mean as i was going through the song 
because I'm thinking when if you know this movie, that's the song you think of when you think of this movie. Yeah. Because of that goddamn commercial. Yeah. <laughs> e at O's. E at God. Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about before we get into sharp and flat? Um, I don't know. Oh, um, I guess just that I, I I checked out the Start Me Up original music video, and um, millennials do not talk enough about uh, the influence of Mick Jagger's dancing. Oh boy, the 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 their video of it. Not yeah, the, the, the Rolling the Stones. Movie. It's completely yeah. off topic. I know, but I I had to listen to both. Well, there was the, there was the video he did with um, David Bowie that people yeah referenced. dancing in the street yeah yeah cool. like we don't talk enough about how this dude was just marching around swinging his hips just totally carefree and I think he originated the duck lips the, oh ooh. yeah yes <laughs> that is very Jagger it that is. is a Jaggerism well I mean um, there is a whole song called Moves Like Jagger so yeah. I guess I know. I guess the people power. need to understand and see the power of Jagger. Yes. So your homework tonight, listeners, <laughs> is to watch Mighty Wind, then watch then. Start Me Up. Proper. Well, if you haven't watched Mighty Wind yet, watch yes, it exactly. after listening to us talk about it for like right. forty-five minutes, and then <laughs> exactly because if you're listening to this but haven't seen the movie, we're spoiling so much for you. So much great content with all of your favorites. I mean, there's still a lot of humor that happens. Yes. Um, and like, I'm not going to lie. Like I said, I'm not a folks person per se. Like, I don't actively go out to it. But like, this music is great. Like, there, so I, I, there, there is some jokey songs. But like, they seriously wrote songs for this. Yeah. Like, like I don't know. My God, I wish I knew the process. Can you get your Uncle Bob? Your Uncle Bob. Can you get your that's, cousin that's Bob? More, well, that's more or less what I call him because he's my mom's generation. So, all right, can you get Uncle Bob on the phone and be like, "Hey, what was the writing process for this?" Yeah, let, <laughs> let me hit him up. <laughs> he'll he'll text you back real soon. Right? Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> he's actually in the room with you. Hi, Bob. <laughs> it's true, yeah. Oh no, you're gonna have to wait. No, no, no. no. This is I'm Ian's not, time. I'm in the middle of something. This is Ian's Bob, no, time. Bob, we've talked about this. But th- thank you. Sorry about that. He's just um He's he, so like, needy. He's the, he's the famous one, but like he's just so needy. So he wants to be the center of the tension, even though he all the time. Well, this is true. I mean, this is truly like an ensemble movie. Oh, absolutely, yeah. But like, is there a character do you feel like is a driving force? I guess uh, the Bob Balaban character is like the impetus, but I feel like the Mickey and Mitch is kind of the centerpiece of this. That's kind of the heart of the show because even with this being an ensemble, there is kind of this sort of over looming, almost attention. uh, And And they have like, they have like the most interesting story. They have the most interesting story. They have the most like developed backstory that sets us up for that concert at the end. So that's kind of to me the driving force in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. Because I if see you were that. just talking about like the main street singers, or you were just talking about the folksmen, I, I, I don't know. Like just given what they've given us, there's only so much you can do from a plot perspective. Yeah, because like the new main street singers, like they're whatever. They're just like a weird semi-cult right massive group and all of their songs are biblical except for the one that they stole from the folksman but whatever exactly yeah yeah yeah. um and then the folksman well the folksman they did disband yes yes they did break up they broke up and this was them like reuning reunioning reuning 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 yeah you know yeah 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 (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's get into Sharp and Flat, shall we? Yes. Sharp. Flat. So in this section, we're going to highlight some moments, whether or not we talked about it. If we liked it, it's sharp. And if we didn't like it, I thought it could change. It's flat. And I'm going to try to remember what I wrote down. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, well, so Ian, um, what do you want to start with? Do you want to start with sharps? Or do you want to start with flats? Um, I guess I'll start with flats just because I have less of those. Great. 
for me, the flats were Blood on the Coal, which was only like very briefly sung in this. Like it was one of those little snippet bits. Mm-hmm. And then like I went back and listened to most of the soundtrack and this song, I, you could you could keep it. It's fine. Um, and then the other one was also kind of like a pseudo problematic moment that in 2003 we just weren't thinking about, which was Loco Man, which is the song that Harry Shear sings during one of their rehearsals where he's kind of putting on a sort of Jamaican-ish island accent. Oh, I blacked that out. And I watched this like a couple days ago. (laughs) As you should. One, because it's so quick. And two, just because it's it's not a good look. And yeah, Yeah. um, that's really that on that, I think. Um, I I remember flatting the fact that it's that we don't get like real full songs we get some but like yes, some of these i was absolutely I'd be interested in hearing longer of or like the fact that i mean i get it that his movies are so short and quick and everything and like that's comedy and everything but i feel like if they added right. like five more minutes of just the concert yeah. that's I all I, I have a note on that because this movie yeah. is under an hour and 40 minutes, I believe. Yeah, it's it's like just over an hour and a half. And so like... I mean, have... this is... Could, yeah. well, I, I was going to say, this is a time where like two-hour movies are a standard thing. You totally could have added a few more minutes of fuller songs, especially considering that Waiting for Guffman in a similar vein has full songs when they do their presentation. Yes. And I believe... Now, somebody can correct me on this if you're a diehard fan of this podcast. I believe that is my same critique I had with his other two movies that we've talked about, mm. where they're both like an hour and 30 something minutes, maybe an hour 40 tops. And I'm like, I want more. I just want yeah. more. Like, it, it, and it's not because, I mean, I think this one is more, I want more song. I want more singing. I want like, I want to enjoy this music that you are, that these people are diehard fans of these characters are like, you know, eat, live, breathe, sleep folk music. So I want to see and hear more. Um, But yeah, Uh, I also remember flatting um, Eugene Levy's strong character choice. Oh, I just, I think for this, I needed just like a line of justification somewhere, sure. you know, like he's high anxiety. I get it that he spirals and we right. see that with his uh, albums post Mitch and Mickey, but I'm like, just tell me he was on drugs and I'll understand. Right. And I think part, I think that whole thing was to be understood that like he was in a psychiatric facility for a little bit and he left too early. Yeah, but I need. But I can I needed, see why that would. Yeah, that would I'm, be carrying a lot of weight. I need. I need. I need to be spoon fed sometimes. That's fine. That's fine. Um. Uh. I think that's really. Oh, so okay. In this section, every once in a while, I have what I like to call a natural. It's neither mm. a sharp nor a flat, and we've talked about this. But I want to. I want to reiterate um harry shear's character at the end being a trans woman like i don't know i don't know i i it feels weird it feels a little it i have i have conflicting feelings about it and i yeah i guess i'm wondering like someone who is actually part of the trans community i i wonder what they make of it yeah or like, you be genuinely interested because i mean i can speak for myself i'm a cisgendered male like i don't Same. Uh, yeah so we're two cisgendered men talking about this and it's like we feel something but like i don't know what the words are or how to uh, put put to words what i'm feeling because it's right. like oh you should and you shouldn't be doing this right <laughs> or you it's, shouldn't be doing this it's much it's much like local man where you're like well, why this decision why this yeah 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 i mean again if they planted seeds throughout i would understand but i'm still wondering what exactly they're trying to make a joke out of because that's the whole point of this movie i mean i think it's a comedy first and then yeah involves music exactly all right let's get to sharps what are your sharps 
all the Mitch and Mickey songs and their whole thing. Like I just absolutely love Kiss at the End of the Rainbow. And I thought them building the songs back together was so sweet. And even with the Eugene Levy's character choices, just them being together was just, I don't know, there was just something really great about that. Uh, What's and... also interesting about, uh, sorry, uh, sorry to interrupt, about them no rekindling is that there's no like ill will, you know, yeah. like the Mitch and uh, Mickey's husband, like, get along. There's yeah. no like, fuck you for stealing my woman or something or like, I should have ended up with her because they could easily go that way. That that bit alone was a sharp for me because him with the model trains and Eugene Levy being like, I took a bus. I, I was on a bus for 16 hours. Like, so fucking funny. Um, and that a hotel. Yeah. I don't know the name of it. Right. <laughs> so friggin' good. Um, yeah, and like, to that point, like, I'm glad it was never a matter of like, oh, are they is this going to cause them to get back together? Like, I'm glad we didn't go down that route. We didn't need that. I um, mean, they, they said it without saying it. Right. And right. like, I'm not sure how they actually feel at the end. Cause both of them are like, Oh, the other person may have felt this way. And I didn't mean to lead them on. I'm like, right. So you clearly still li- love each other. <laughs> but right. like, but like you're both are adults and are like, we've moved on we can't go back yeah and that's uh that's a real thing that happens um another another sharp is just again potatoes in the paddy paddy wagon with uh parker posey and jane lynch singing i could have a whole album of them singing anything and i would be thrilled i am a simp for parker posey and for jane lynch for that matter um (laughs) i love the two of them it was great to see them in a movie together um jane lynch's whole thing of like her her occult weirdness just truly like just 10 out of 10 jane lynch stuff for me i mean i was just like they're beards for each other. Yes, 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 yes. Her and John I, Michael I Higgins. So, yeah. Oh boy. Anything else? Any other sharps? I'm trying to think. Um, I'm like going through the songs. I mean, the start me up of all of it is also a sharp for me. But we've talked about that. Um, <laughs> I should find it. it. I need to Your listen turn. to it. Um, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> their version of it. You mean like, it's great? Yeah. Because yeah, I know the like, original. I don't know. Like, it reminds me, like, uh, tying our podcasts together, like, it reminds me of when Glee, and I guess early season four, they did that cover of, I think it was, I like Big Butts. Um, yes. But it was like a, a folksy rock cover of that from the acapella group. And I'm like, this is bananas, but I'm here for it. Um, was I on that episode? Did I do that were one you with on you? that episode? I don't remember. I did that. I know I talked about that at one point on an on a, a podcast. I don't think it was yours. No, yours. I did diva. We did yes, yes. We did diva. We did diva. Yeah. Oh boy. And you did mash off. Oh yes. Oh, that was your first episode with us. That's with the uh, someone like you. Uh, yes. Rumor yes. has it cover the the iconic one. Yeah. Sorry, I don't remember the n- names of a lot of them, but I re- if you give me a song, that's, I'll remember that's the episode. Fair. That's There's fair. so many. Um, okay. There's so many. Sharps for me for A Mighty Wind. Sharp to the women. Yes. I think they were just naturally great. Like, it felt like a lot of the guys were kind of hamming it up a little bit. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, one of my notes was their acting, specifically the three of them, was just so natural. I'm also including Jennifer Coolidge. Like, I know she's playing a character, but, like, it's Jennifer fucking Coolidge. Jennifer fucking Coolidge. You can't can't go wrong with her. And I wish there was more of, I agree with you, I wish there was more of Jane Lynch and Parker Posey in any way, shape, or form. Singing, scenes, just reacting. Like, I just want more of them. Um, Hell yes. Okay, I want to sharp. There's a, the moment in a, a Kiss at the End of the Rainbow when 
the other groups go into the wings and watch them. I was like, this is real. Like, this is the little theater kid in me. And I see you clutching your heart right now doing that. But like, but it's like, it's such a sweet moment that like you're here. And like, yes, some of them are probably just want to live for the drama. But like, I don't know. It felt very connected and it felt honest and everything. Absolutely. I mean, this movie is great. I just wish I got to hear more of the songs because, like, they're great too. And yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, I do want to. I also want to sharp just "Kiss at the End of the Rainbow" as a song because, yes. like, that's the yeah. one that you hear. I think the whole thing of throughout the whole movie. Yes. No. No, you hear well, Old Joe's place and one of the new Main Street singer songs, and I can't remember which one. You hear a good chunk of. You hear pretty much all of their Never Did No Wandering. Yeah. And you hear a good deal of Potatoes in the Paddy Wagon. Okay. Yeah. But like A Kiss at the End of the Rainbow, you definitely hear Start to End. Yes. Of that one. Um, And speaking of songs, Ian, what would you like? What songs would you add to your life's playlist? I mean, definitely Kiss at the End of the Rainbow. If I'm in my little sad boy feelings, like that would be one that I would go to just because, you know, emotions. Um, you know, and then maybe the start me up cover just for shiggles. <laughs> um, I agree with you with Kiss at the End of the Rainbow. I would like to add Old Joe's Place, and then Never Did No Wandering. Both of them. Which version? Both. Okay, fair. I agree because musically they sound different because you have the different instruments playing. Yeah, they have. They take different feelings. They did. They take different vibes with them. Although it never really says in the movie, like which group actually wrote it or if it is like a like one of these folk songs, like you said, that like is passed down from people to people. But like, I would like to know who wrote it first or. Yeah, I'm assuming it's the folk. The first recording. Um, Yeah, that's what I'm assuming. I'm assuming it's them. But, you know, you know what happens when you assume. (laughs) Mm hmm. And Ian, on that note. We're done with the episode. We did it. Wow. Hooray. I know. Thank you so much for having me back. What do you have to plug or promote? Well, I am, I guess I'm teasing some new original music that I'm anticipating uh, dropping this, this summer. Um, and I'm hoping that there will be uh, some live music that comes with that. Um, so... If you want to keep up with that, you can find me at iBroski on uh, all the social media platforms because once I have that set in stone, I will be obnoxious about it. Um, As you should. And uh, Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. And uh, um for all that stuff. Um, my podcast is Glee Aggressive with uh, the phenomenal dear friend Karina Stokes. Um so we are another Glee podcast and we watch and recap Glee episodes. Um, the whole, our whole uh, gimmick is that I, as a theater professional, have never seen it. And she, as a non-theater professional, has seen it multiple times. Um, so we go back and we watch it through me for the first time, both of us through a now 2023 perspective. Um, it's insane. <laughs> it's it's wild and it's so much fun. And uh, John has been on two wonderful episodes. Um, so we um, we, by when this airs, we will be finishing season four. So feel free to catch up. Feel free to join us for season five whenever we uh, get to that. Um, yeah, and I I think that's uh, that's all the things I got to plug. Huzzah! Um, yeah. If you if you are a relative of another cast member of A Mighty Wind, I'd like to hear about it. You can email yes. me at buttersongpod at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at buttersongpod. Um, yeah. If you also have access to the extra hours of footage, let me know. Let us know. We would love to see yes. it. Yes. And if you want to be part of next episode's conversation, we're going to be talking about hair. Yeah, we're finally doing it. Woohoo! Ian, thank you so much for coming on your first solo episode. Yes, Ooh. thank you. Sorry, Karina. It was. Uh, yeah.
Well, she had two without you, so like that's we gotta, true. Yeah, we gotta, you got to catch up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, even though she Thank covered so much Glee, only Glee season five. It was two episodes, so yeah. Um, and everyone, bye for now. Bye. Special thanks to Justin Johnson for creating the podcast's artwork and to Nick Bombasino for composing the theme song and the jingles in this podcast. And thank you to CastBox for hosting this podcast. Bye again, everyone, and have a musical day. 